Hello everyone and welcome to Sagab. This is your host, Badr Amin, author of the book, Happy Life, Summarized Guide and Habits to Self-Development. In this podcast, we aim to find common habits of people in different industries, such as but not limited to sports, investing and business, by identifying their mental and practical habits, routines and recommendations for you as a listener to be able to integrate it to your own life. Thus, the podcast will hopefully help you identify what are the common essentials that contribute significantly and maximize their performance, regardless of the industry. The podcast is divided into two parts, where the guests will talk about the mental practices, self-talk, and who is successful to them, whereas the other part is more into the practical habits and routines integrated into their daily life and the recommendations for the listener. So, please enjoy and take notes. Our guest is Karima Naptawi, who is here on behalf of Ahmed al founder and CEO of Annex Investments. Karim is the Chief Investor Officer, CIO of Annex Investments and the VP of Investor Relations of High Water Venture Partners in Dubai, and is also a co-founder in MKIA Hospitality, which have the Nice Guys restaurant under their umbrella. Annex Investments is a privately owned management company in Abu Dhabi aiming to drive growth by forging strategic partnerships and pursuing great business ideas to streamline and transform markets. Throughout the years, in collaboration with, with the strategic partners and supporting agencies, such as providing active mentorship and acceleration programs, they have strengthened the whole SME community in the region and helped entrepreneurs achieve their optimum potential. One of the backed businesses is Imageless, a professional networking platform connecting like-minded professionals based on their interest, profession, and proximity, aiming to widen their professional network and achieve mutual professional goals. To name a few, they focus on automotive, health and fitness, and technology sectors. Also, Annex Investment serves as an investment vehicle sourcing deals across MENA such as Ducantec and Alma Health. I would like to thank Karim for being part of this podcast, and without further ado, let's dive in. Karim, are you ready to do this? Always ready. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Where do you consume your information in a way that you would recommend books or channels? So I usually let these things come to me naturally. We'll always like to walk into a bookstore, usually in the airport. You know, one book that I can definitely recommend is a book called uh, Warren Buffett's Ground Rules. I picked this one up very early on into my career, actually, when I was flying back from university back to the UAE. The reason I was drawn to it is because I have a background in finance. I studied finance in university, and I left knowing I wanted to do something venture capital-related or tech-related. And why not learn from, you know, some of the best? So I picked up that book, which has, you know, the shareholder letters that were issued by Warren Buffett um, between his age of 26 and 50. So, you know, at 48, he had already beat the Dow by 50%, which was something unprecedented. It was completely unusual. And this was right before his tenure at Berkshire Hathaway. And, you know, to kind of just learn from, you know, someone who started off at the age of 26 and, and where he got to at the age of 50. And someone you can say is, you know, in the financial world, one of the most successful people and to really get into his mind and and see the letters he was sending to his shareholders to really just learn from his day-to-day, the way he thinks in his process was was great and something that definitely, you know, 
taught me lessons that till today I value very highly and hope I can practice to some sort of that level. As well, when it comes to shows and movies, I usually look for things that will kind of inspire me or change the way I view things. Uh, one of those movies for me was a movie called Whiplash. Um, Whiplash is a movie about a drummer who isn't the best drummer in town, but has very high hopes and dreams and, and carries himself as if he were the best drummer in the world and as if he were going to become the best drummer in the world. And it shows you the dedication that he has to, to this passion and literally practices until his hands bleed. And um, although he was the underdog, he, he worked 10 times harder and loved this goal and dream of his 10 times harder as well. And for that reason, he was able to succeed and, and become one of the greatest you know, drummers in history. It's actually based off a, a true story. And the last one, TV show of my choice that I'd always recommend is The Office. I'm sure this one you must know. And it's comedy-based. This one is just so that when, when you're away from work and you need you know, a distraction, this one is just for the light-hearted viewer who, who, who wants to sit down and laugh. And although it is work-related too, you know, it is The Office, it's pure comedy and sometimes can let me see the bright side of work and, and see as well how a lighthearted environment in the office can also bring positive outcomes as well. Okay. Who is considered successful to you and why? You know, the, the real question I think is, is how do you determine what success is? And something that my father proved to me is why he is successful is because he loves what he does. My father is a PhD in mathematics and you know, to me, the smartest person in the world. You know, he's an inventor of many great technologies, some that are very relevant to society today. And, you know, growing up and, and watching him do something that was so different. You know, I, I never encountered anyone who had a parent like my dad because he didn't want anything. You know, his, his success was not determined by monetary returns. Uh, it, it was more about, you know, what he's leaving for society. Is he making his family proud, which of course he knows we always are. And more so, was he happy? And he really practiced that as well when he raised uh, me and my sister. He, he always let us follow our hearts. He never pressured us to do anything. I chose my major in university. He never even doubted me. He never even questioned me. He always supports me in whatever crazy ideas I might have, even though sometimes I know he doesn't agree with me, he will never make me do anything that I don't want to do. You he, wouldn't imply it? Pardon me? You wouldn't imply it? Never. No, never. Uh, my, my dad doesn't even understand what I do. And he supported me in unimaginable ways. Um, he let me spend one year of my life not working, not applying for jobs, but just asking him for time so that I can do what I truly always wanted to do, like, you know, opening up this hospitality company or finding a space in venture capital, you know, after leaving my investment banking job, you know, for one year, I only chased those goals on my own. And like him, I wanted to be self-made, you know, I didn't want support. I didn't want Wall Start, or I wanted to get, earn, earn everything that I've achieved. And he let me spend one year just chasing those dreams. And, and that's why 
I think, you know, success to me is, is all tailored around going up and watching my dad, you know, just chasing the things that, or doing the things that make you happy. So that way it never really feels like work. Interesting. And in terms of pre-seed stage, or let's say the early stage in VCs, right. um, who is considered successful to you? Uh, the startups or the venture capital companies? Yes. Uh, the startups is actually, you know, we determine these startups and, and who we'd like to invest in on the same basis. Um, I, I really like to, to sit down and meet the founder and not just hear about their business idea, but hear their life story and what led them to wanting to create this startup. Because in essence, a successful and passionate startup founder, someone that's truly dedicated to the idea and feeling that he's fulfilling some kind of societal impact or goal and and how his story led him to chasing this is what we look for. You know, me and Ahmed don't really want the investor that's looking to just make money off of this startup. Um, we're looking for someone who was brought to this idea because their life experiences brought them to saying this can make things a lot easier for the world or for the next person after them because they're solving something they struggled with. So in essence, that is what makes a successful startup founder to me or someone that we would invest in is, is someone that's truly passionate about what they're doing and truly believes that their startup will leave the world in a better place once they've achieved their goal. Okay. Is there an advice you remind yourself with and why? You know, the advice that I would advise myself with is, is obviously things that, you know, I've gone through in life. I'll definitely always look at myself and tell me, do I love what I'm doing? Am I passionate about what I'm doing? And if, if I'm not, then why am I doing it? I always like to advise myself to manifest my goals. You know, I think this one starts with on, on a religious level, you know, to hope that, you know, these goals that I hope to achieve will bring me closer to, to what I hope to do on the long run. As well, uh, I also believe that, you know, this manifestation of, of these goals and ideas will also in hand allow me to really sit down and, and think about these ideas and, and make sure that execution is done right. I'd also say take risks. I, I don't think anything is ever done uh, successfully without having, you know, your back against the wall. And the last one is, is never be afraid of failure. Hmm. I think uh, true greatness only comes from failure. Everything I believe I achieved came from, you know, maybe not being in the best space and trying to dig myself out of the hole I'm in. And, you know, I think that's something that me and Ahmed, you know, both connect on greatly. It's how we, we work together is, as well, you know, to, to kind of, you know, look at each other when things don't work out the way we want them and, and say, how are we going to turn the situation over and, and see the bright side of things? And, and that's usually, I think, where our best work is done. And since you mentioned the risk or the other, the execution and the uh, failures, so what or how what you just said is in parallel with the investments that you guys do on the pre-seed stage or the early stages. Right. So the nice thing about startups is actually all of that does apply to startups. When you have a startup, it's very much a risk. And every day is, is a struggle and internal battle. Every day there's a hurdle 
that you need to get over um, so that you can ensure the success of the startup. So something that, you know, we do to add value to these startups, we don't just give them money and, and walk away. No, we become a part of the team, essentially. And part of our duty is, is to make sure that they're getting over these hurdles. And every day there, there are failures. And, and these failures are actually the ones that can help build a better company. Let's say, you know, on day one, there's some legal problems or some financial problems or X, Y, Z. It's our duty now to take a look at these failures, understand the risks, you know, work together to brainstorm, to try and manifest the solutions and then get over these hurdles to build a better company so that the next day these failures are in our past. And we've now overcome this hurdle to move forward as now having a better company or a better startup. On the long run, you know, the difference between a startup and a company which is successful, a corporation, is its ability to move past these failures. That's essentially what I believe is tied into the VC and investment side of this advice. What helped you identify your purpose? I would say, thankfully, you know, I think from a very young age, I always knew what I wanted to do. The day I graduated university, I came back to the UAE from Washington, D.C. With, with a purpose. I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Believe it or not, even years before graduating university, I said, I want to open the nice guy in, in the UAE after visiting it in L.A. I knew I wanted to do venture capital. And I think along the way, there was a lot of skill building, you know, a lot of practice to make sure that I can achieve these goals. And along the way as well, there was many failures that I had to overcome. And I think they're what molded me into reaching a position to where my back was against the wall. And I said, I don't want to do what I don't want to do anymore. And I, I went after these goals and alhamdulillah, you know, I, I had planned for them for a much later stage of my career. But I can say now where I'm at, the guidance of you know my co-founders and MKIA and and as well Ahmed uh, in in Annex Investments where we we do all our VC work and this good mentorship I was able to to overcome and do what I truly wanted to do I think from a young age I I just knew what I was good at and what I wanted to do and these things along the way are are I think what brought me closer to it we usually know that in universities there isn't such a degree as becoming a VC. Right, of so, course. So how did you channel yourself to becoming a VC, for example? Right, so um, I started off in investment banking, which is a lot more related to the tools that I was taught in university. So financial modeling and DCF models and analyzing these companies and etc. When I started off in investment banking, I went there not wanting to do investment banking, but you know, a fresh grad that needed work. And as well, I'm very thankful for those days because it's where I was taught how to work more so. And we all know investment banking is a very rigorous career path. You know, the hours are unreal. But I think it's what made me, I guess, maybe more cemented in these skills. As well, when I was there, my team knew that maybe I wasn't the best investment banking analyst, but I knew a heck a lot about um, uh, venture capital and they let, and they didn't know much at all. So they let me go educate them, make introductions to startups and VCs through my network. And in that time through teaching, I was also learning from this 
new surrounding that I made, but it only cemented more that I didn't want to do investment banking and I really wanted to do this venture capital work. And when I left, um, I was introduced to Ahmed and I think he saw a lot of potential in me and was impressed by the work I had done at the investment bank. And he allowed me the freedom to come work with him and work together towards the, the goals that we both had in parallel with one another. And I think that freedom, along with his mentorship, has taken me a long way. You know, in the one year and some change that I've been with Ahmed, I feel like I've grown 10 years in, in experience um, from all that I've learned with him and working alongside of him, you know, with the investments that we've done in, in the space so far and with the ones that are still ahead of us. Inshallah, I think we're building something that a couple of years down the road we'll, we'll look back and say, um, you know, we really added value to the ecosystem here and have pride in that, inshallah. That's interesting because I don't know if you have read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why, and in which they say that you have to, to know your why and then there is the other book which called which is called Good to Great by Jim Collins, mm. which he emphasizes on who is on board or who is on the bus. Right. So it is quite important to be in parallel and the team is in parallel with the why. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. That's as well, you know, to tie in the startups, that's just another way that we take a look at these startups. Most of the 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 work we do is looking into the team and understanding their background and seeing how they work together to to achieve goals. I think the essence of every good success story is is the team backing you. So yeah, apparently we reach as as long or as far as the team takes us. Exactly. I think there is one um, one coach or one from the, you'll definitely have to send me those books uh, after we finish today. Hopefully, yes, absolutely. Hopefully they'll make my my uh, requests for the next podcast too. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> How thoughts, self talk, and past experiences are shaping your perception? Do you well, revisit these thoughts in any category? I think your life essentially makes you who you are. The ages of one to six are essential for, you know, building you and your personality. Everything onwards after that is is just skill building. I think that's why most people or family of most people can look at you and say from a young age, I knew exactly how you would turn out. Because I think your childhood truly determines where you'll go in life or, or, or who you'll become. I think even your past before you're born plays a role, you know, being Palestinian, I can look back and say that, you know, my ancestry and my family and uh, knowing their stories too has very much shaped who I've turned out to be. And I truly, truly believe that my family engraved these ideals in me from an, from an extremely young age. My mother and father always say that they knew exactly how I would turn out from a young age because I always knew what I wanted in life. And I was always very vocal about it too. But yeah, they kind of raised me because I was born in the U.S. They raised me with a, with a bit of like a Western, more individualistic um, kind of mindset. Um, very vocal. I'm very goal-oriented and I truly believe that all comes from how you were raised and how you were brought up. And along the way, you find more mentors outside of just your family that help shape you and help guide you closer to goals. And I think that's truly the way that your your past ties in. And, and I do think about these things actually quite often, but I don't let them restrict me. 
uh, to who I will become. Because I also think there's a lot, you know, still that life can bring to you to to shift you or shape you or or change the way you see things. Do you think life is hard or life is easy? I would always say life is easy. I hope that I'd say that in whatever situation I'm in. I always look in the worst situations and tell myself things could still be a lot worse. Yani, at the basis, all you need is your health, uh, your family's health, uh, the happiness of people around you, and, and everything else is surplus. Nothing else is you know, owed to you. Even the, things that, the very basic things that I mentioned are not owed to you either. But if you have them, I believe you should be grateful. Alhamdulillah, yeah, I... I I'm one to always, even in the worst situation, look and say Alhamdulillah, because I truly try to think and put myself in the feet of other people whose situation is worse. And no matter what worst situation you put yourself, whatever worst situation you can imagine, there's always a worse one. And that's the way I like to think of life. I would never say life is hard. I think life is what you make it to be. With what thoughts do you start an end of job or task? I'd actually like to tie this back to one of our earlier sure. questions. And, and I just truly, you know, would always ask myself, do I love what I'm doing right now? Does it make me happy? Do I think, you know, it can have positive impact on society? And, and then I take it from there. Because if not, then it's not really worth doing. And I've been in situations where, you know, I was constrained by a job or a role and had to do things I didn't love or didn't think added that much value or, or progress. So I, I, I always found myself in those situations extremely demotivated. I also felt the quality of output of work that I completed was not at the level of, my, of how I can do you know, work. You know, it's not the best work I've done. But one thing I can tell you is when I was very passionate about something, it was executed to a level that I was always happy with and, and could walk away from and said and said you know I couldn't have done it better um, I think we'll touch upon later on the being passionate about a job or doing something with more of quality in which how or what would you do to emphasize or magnify the quality of work that you would do in a, let's say in a less amount of time or in a better amount of time let's say so to speak right um, would you practice prayer, meditation, or visualization to manifest and help you in achieving goals? Absolutely. I always look back at where I started with my goals. All my goals I've had for, you know, over five years. And alhamdulillah now, you know, and I, and I was saving them for much later in my career. But alhamdulillah, you know, life brought me to a position where even now at 25, 26, already doing these things that I thought maybe I'd do it 26, at maybe like 40. And I always believed that I kind of manifested them to life because I always visualized and I always said, you know, I was walking around to people five years ago saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. And, you know, if, if I could bring them all in, into this room right now, they would tell you he really was telling us for all this time that he was going to do this. And now he really is. And I truly believe a lot of that is manifesting praying, you know, asking God to, to help guide me. And if I deserve these things and if I would do good with these things, then I should, inshallah, deserve them. And, you know, one of my ways to kind of always take stress off my shoulders 
is to try to talk to God. You know, it's, it sounds crazy, but sometimes I'll just sit down and say, you know, God, please help me with this. God, you know, a day. And that takes all the stress off my shoulders because I always felt that خلاص, now I can do what I can do, but it's God who will give me or not. So it's in the hands of God now and, and I can only do what's in front of me. So it, it always took the stress off me and, and I think that was a big part of why I was able to do these things because, you know, I, I just always felt like if, if it's meant for me, it will come. If not, then it wasn't meant for me and, you know, God might have something better in store for me. And accepting that, accepting that there's something larger than you, I, I, I believe is very important. So, yes. And to put that manifestation into a realization, would you say, since you said that you have achieved things, mashallah, that you have done them instead of 40 years of age now at, a, at an age of 25 and 26, how did you put that execution into it? For example, I think Peter Thiel, which is he's the co-founder right. of PayPal, or maybe even Elon Musk, I'm not quite sure who said it, yeah. uh, but they were saying that um, if you want to do something that would take 10 years, How about you try and do and doing it in six months? So how did you, let's say, crunch them or a crash course with them to reach, let's say, the 40 years dream to making it in, let's say, 26 years of age? Honestly, it was just talking it into existence and life brought me the rest. I always look back and say, like, a lot of luck brought me here. Some people, like, I might think back and say, like, Back then, people might have thought I was crazy because I was just saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do You know, I had these plans for myself and I was just saying them to everyone. Like, I think really just the manifestation, the drive and the passion I had towards them made me crazy about them. And maybe I just spoke to enough people or told enough people that I was going to do these things that I found the people that can help me to do them and was able to build teams like... With Ahmed, for example, you know, I was just able to tell him the goals I had and find that he was completely aligned with the same goals. And I was lucky that he saw this drive in me and saw something that under his mentorship, you know, there are the skills, but they needed sharpening. And to have that kind of support from someone from, you know, the generation before me, someone with the hindsight and knowledge to help you know, sharpen that tool and help foster these goals and teach me from his knowledge and experience the things that I might lack, I think are kind of what helped bring them to life. I think that's what kind of cut the gap is I had someone like Ahmed who had done the 10 years already to help me cut it down to six. And, you know, even same thing goes to the hospitality company where You know, I found people older, wiser, that knew what had to be done to execute and helped work with me on them and, and teach me and, and mentor me um, along the way. I truly think that's how you cut that time is, you know, learning from those who can offer you knowledge that you might lack because of experience. What repeated tasks and steps you intentionally do as a ritual or routine and method to cultivate focus, productivity, and goal manifestation in a way that mm. you can do your best work or let's say the quality of output that you would generate. Is there anything that you would do to cultivate such a thing? Honestly, this is going to sound funny, but the one thing that jumps to mind is I pace a lot. I pace around the room. Like I pick up my phone. Most My office is my phone, pretty much. Um, it's all phone calls and et cetera and communicating and 
you know, working with people to, to achieve goals. And most of that is done while I'm pacing around the room, walking around, just brainstorming, trying to find solutions, calling mentors for advice, uh, you know, constantly thinking about all the possible outcomes, the best one and how to get to that one. I, I try to be very calculated in, in the decision-making process and, and see if I can steer things to the outcome that the people I'm working with and myself hope for. I really think that as well, oddly enough, I think music helps quite a bit. I think uh, sometimes you, it can help me mellow down. Sometimes it can help motivate me. Sometimes it can you know, help light that fire. And using that to kind of just as well step back, calm down, and try see things from like a bird's eye view, you know, try to take yourself out of the situation and, and as well try to, you know, calculate or determine how are your actions? Are they correct, incorrect? How can you pivot? How can you... I try to be as calculated as possible and try to make sure that all my actions will only lead to the outcome that, that we hope for and inshallah always with positive intentions. Okay, and would you say the decision-making process, is it actually um, while you're pacing more and listening to music or rather focusing on the same task? So it seems to me that you would do something alongside the thinking process to, to decide on the actual problem or try to generate the, the solution. It's always accompanied with something. It's either speaking to a mentor or... All I can tell you is pacing is always the one constant. That's always happening. It's hard to keep me still when, when so, much is, so much activity is happening in my mind. I think if, if you gave me my own office, I would hardly sit on the desk. But yeah, you're right. There's always something to kind of try to distract me a little, just so that I can you know, remember to try to look at things from a bird's eye view and take myself out and try to see what's happening on the other end of the table to try also make sure that everyone is happy when trying to find the optimal outcome. I think that's how you can always achieve the most successful outcome is, is to make sure that everyone is, is happy with whatever is happening. So I'm just always hunting for that solution. All right. Do you have environmental cues to prime you for performance and productivity? For example, do you have written statements or images to remind you why you're doing certain things? This one's tough because I'm, I, I, there's not anything that I, I can draw myself to, but I think, you know, trying to be goal-oriented, you know, knowing what's happening that day, knowing what outcome you would like, and maintaining the hunger, you know, that to allow you to chase those outcomes is, is something that maybe, you know, keeps me aligned with that, but... I don't think there's any environmental or outside. I, I think it's all internal and, you know, searching within for, for what you want and how you're going to achieve it. But I, I truly think maybe something that I could tie into this answer is, is trying to always, and, and it's hard to do so, especially now while we're younger, it, it might seem easy because you're always hungry for more. But, but when you're older, you can get comfortable and you can start to look for, you know, external ideas or hunger or et cetera, to put money in, in someone or, or to invest in someone that's 
hungry rather than to maintain that hunger, if, if that makes sense. And I, I think maybe just always maintaining the appetite to do more. And, and I think that's always by finding and having things that, that you're passionate about, no matter what they might be, whether they have, you know, monetary returns or social returns or, you know, whatever it might be is just to always find something that you're passionate about and to go after that. Okay, and this is kind of a follow-up question. Would you, let's say, design a place or go to a place that boosts your performance? For example, would you add uh, a windmill, uh, a treadmill, not a windmill, <laughs> in your office to help you in the pacing? Or would you add some music so to help you in that creative process or in that creative thinking? I think a treadmill would make me seem less crazy. So at least I'm doing something rather than walking around in a circle. I would think that adding like some kind of music player in the office would definitely not be helpful to who might be around me. But one thing I try to do to, to actually make that more fun is I collect uh, vinyls. So it also makes it feel like a hobby. And I've started a collection at home. And it's for some reason to me, it's very calming to start an album, end an album, and and know that, you know, okay, I'm putting this vinyl on, it has these 10 songs. When it's over, I need to go and, and start executing on what I'm brainstorming about. It kind of makes it feel like structured for something that, that seems so chaotic, yeah. Yeah. What beliefs, habits, or behaviors, or practices that you have adopted recently improved your life greatly? Learning to accept failures and take the lessons from them. I think taking failure positively with a smile on your face is, is one of the best things that I've learned, you know, is, is rather than to be distressed or angry of the outcome or angry at, at someone else, is to be calm and know that you can't win everything, right? To sit back, take the lessons and learn and become more successful. I think there is... Even as an investor in, in venture capital and in startups, there's many less. There's much more that you can learn from a bad investment than a good one, so that the next time around you don't make the same mistakes. I think at a young age you're definitely bound to make more mistakes, and and if you're someone that can take them on the chest and and keep moving forward and and have the lesson now engraved in your memory, I think further on in life you're bound to be much more successful. I also tie back, you know, accepting mentorship. I think, you know, we, we were talking earlier about how did you achieve earlier, you know, in one year, maybe what, what you wanted to achieve in 10 years is, is definitely accepting mentorship. And, you know, sometimes I may also be the kind of person that I motivate myself by, by always knowing my worth and trying to think, you know, Maybe I'm the smartest person in the room, or maybe I'm this, or maybe I'm that. But if you really want to become those things, you should always know that there's someone that's more experienced from you and, and, and so much you can learn from their experiences. I think that's how you can skip those steps and maybe become the smartest person in the room. But at a young age, I truly think, even at an older age, there's, there's always someone older, wiser, someone that can offer you good advice and and teach you from their lessons and their, and their failures. And I, I think those are the two key takeaways that, that I'd offer up. I think um, 
a lot of guests refer to the failures as a learned experience. And it's not to emphasize that it's good to fail, but rather than if someone failed, it is okay and they can just move on to the next one and shouldn't be shamed probably. Exactly. I, I completely agree. I, I think even when you move on to the next one, you're better off because you won't make the same mistake twice. If you can have that mentality, you're like your only setback from from failure will will be that on this time you maybe you were fooled or, or you messed up or or whatever it might be but but on the long run you'll never make that mistake again so you know you can always take that that as a positive and and move forward saying you know only good things are coming to you now because of that failure okay and when challenges fears or failures hit what questions do you ask yourself honestly I'll sit down, analyze what what went wrong, what did I do wrong, what could I have done better, and you know, look at the very technical side of those things, and try to understand how to move forward without having to make that same mistake that led to the failure again. Even if the mistake wasn't yours, it was it may have been avoidable, and to find the way to pivot next time. You know, I think that should always be the key takeaway because you, you, these failures can always leave you better off on, on the long run. I'm, I'm happy to make as many mistakes as I can right now while I'm still young so that, you know, inshallah, when I'm 10 years down the line, you can pass on that knowledge to your kids or to people you work with or people that come to you for mentorship. I think that's something that, you know, our, our CEO at Annex, Ahmed, has done with me very well is you know to to guide me through his knowledge and and always every time I ever made a mistake he never was bothered he just looked at me he's like okay what went wrong okay خلاص take this as your lesson and next time it won't happen again and I can truly say that that it's made me so much better off um, and as well you know to hear his stories and 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 um, you know he as well had his mentors too, and to hear theirs and that knowledge being passed on is you know priceless. Um, I think that's what can set people apart in terms of guidance. What three concepts, beliefs, and habits should others adopt? Believe in yourself. Um, I I always like like this funny example to kind of you know, make it seem funny to me about how crazy you should be about believing in yourself. And and it's, you know, Kanye West and how he's can seem quite crazy from, you know, the things he says. It'll be like, I'm the next Bill Gates, I'm this, I'm that. And, you know, you don't need to be like that about it, but but that's how confident you should be in in yourself and your abilities, I truly believe. The next one would be, you know, to know your goals and passions and work towards them, you know, unwavering to what people might say or people might think. Um, I, I, I think as long as you're truly happy with what you're doing, and I don't think monetary returns should play a part in it, I, I think you'll end up living a much happier life than, than most people who will grind out working in something they're not, you know, truly in love with doing. And maybe the last one, would be accept guidance, whether it's related to what you're doing or or, or whether it's not. I, I think 
you know, always having an open mindset and, and listening and learning is is something that can, you know, help you achieve your goals to learn from those around you and their life experiences um, can help create a more well-rounded person. All right. So fans would want to copy your footsteps. Where should they start? Honestly, that if there's one key takeaway they take from this podcast is to be the, a number one fan of themselves. That's what I think. It should be the key takeaway from today is always root for yourself, even if no one else is. Um, do what you'd love. Do what you're passionate about. And inshallah, the rest will come. Everything else should come after that. But, you know. So it's um, like Kanye. He has, I think, a picture of himself clapping for himself, right? Yes. <laughs> I do definitely give myself the occasional pat on the back too. And, and I think people, that's how you should be. You know, take pride in who you are, what you do, what you want to do. I think for, you know, the younger generation, I think, you know, when we look towards these people that we admire so much, you know, a lot of people might envy them. I always look and, and say they should be jealous of us because their story's written. And, and ours is, you know, could we, we still have a lifetime filled with opportunities and, and a story to write. And it's limitless when you're looking at the future, but when you're looking at the past, it's already written and done. So I would say, you know, take that to heart, be a number one fan in yourself and chase what you truly want to do. That's about it. Thank you. So All right, brother. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great time. And inshallah, in some years, we can do this again and, and catch up. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more.